Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, how to address the growing problem of teen vaping. The CDC reports more than 2.5 million youngsters under age 18 are using e-cigarettes. Also this morning, low interest rates fueled a housing boom during the pandemic, but existing home sales have now declined for an unprecedented nine months in a row. What's the outlook for the real estate market between now and spring of 2023? This will be the year we get back to more traditional gatherings of friends and family for Thanksgiving and the holiday season. We have tips for taking on those hosting duties. And members of the Fort Finley Playhouse will join us to preview their upcoming production of Irving Berlin's White Christmas. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. Today is Go For A Ride Day. Go For A Ride Day. Kind of interesting that this would be that. Tomorrow's kind of the uh, getaway day for Thanksgiving, isn't it? Tomorrow's going to be the big travel day. What is it? Uh, AAA saying, um, well, what was it? I had it here, and now I don't, uh, now I don't see it. Some odd, incredibly high number of... People, 50, 60 million people going to be traveling. I swear, I had it in front of me. Now I can't uh, Now I can't find it. Anyway, but today is go for a ride day. Uh, I guess tomorrow is the travel day. It's the, the, you're going with a purpose. Today is just go for a ride for the heck of a day today, I guess. Humane Society Anniversary Day. Happy anniversary to the Humane Society. National Cranberry Relish Day. It is national, which cranberry relish, not my favorite Thanksgiving dish. You know, yesterday was pumpkin pie day, and uh, I mentioned that there was a survey that found that pumpkin pie was one of the most polarizing dishes of the Thanksgiving feast. Uh, some people love pumpkin pie, some people hate it. It seems like there is no in between when it comes to pumpkin pie. Uh, cranberry and and I'm a love it kind of guy with respect to pumpkin pie. Cranberry relish, not so much. But today is National Cranberry Relish Day. National Start Your Own Country Day today. <laughs> well, okay, let's start our own country. Today's the day, and uh, National Stop the Violence Day today, which is always a good thing. Uh, so if you are dreading what. Uncle Carl or Grandma Mildred is going to say at Thanksgiving, that's always the big, it's the known unknown. You know that they're going to say something that will be embarrassing or awkward or will put people ill at ease in some way. You just don't know what. Uh, Carolyn Stern is an emotional intelligence expert. And she has some advice on how to survive those awkward moments uh, at Thanksgiving. She says uh, it could be even more awkward this year because the uh, pandemic not only made people less empathetic, it affected our social skills. She says as your stress goes up, your empathy goes down. And you would be surprised at what people say when they are with family and think that no topic is off limits, especially uh, given that we are less socially astute now and less empathetic. So it's even going to be potentially more so uh, this Thanksgiving. So prepare yourself for this. 
As for what topics you should definitely stay away from, uh, someone's appearance, their job, their marriage status or lack thereof, and political views. I would add to to marriage um, questions about kids. When are you going to have kids? When are you going to have another kid? When am I going to get another grandchild? You know, all of that. No, no, no. no. Leave that alone. Uh, so appearance, someone's appearance, job, marriage, kids, political views. I'm not sure that leaves a whole lot left. <laughs> oh, after that's the problem is that if you eliminate all of those things, what else are you going to talk about? You're just going to sit around making small talk. How about the weather? What about the what about the brown season? What did you? Know? How about them Buckeyes? Um, you know, that's about the only thing you've got left, I guess. Uh, let's see here. Carolyn Stern, again, she is the uh, author of the book, The Emotionally Strong Leader. And uh, she says you can shut down potentially upsetting conversations by declaring certain topics off limits. Go ahead and let your guests know ahead of time, saying we're not going to talk about these things. And uh, people should respect those those boundaries. And what happens if they don't? Well, uh, she says, make sure that you are prepared, plan how to productively respond to those touchy subjects that may be brought up. Uh, she recommends asking yourself what unsolicited questions or comments could be potentially triggering to you and your guests and understand why they touch a nerve, which will help you kind of offset that. For example, if someone says, it looks like you've gained some weight. You could respond with, you know what? I actually have gained some weight and I'm really sensitive about that. So I appreciate you not bringing it up. And then you change the subject and, and move on. Another way to diffuse an awkward situation, she says, is to redirect the conversation back onto the instigator. And you don't have to be nasty about this. Um, just say, what's going on with you? You just flip that around. Um What's going on with you? Get people talking about themselves. People always like to talk about themselves. She also said, uh, keep this uh, this advice in mind to escape unscathed from holiday gatherings. Remember that feelings are just that. They are feelings. They are fleeting. Instead of acting instinctively on your feelings, use your emotions as data to make good decisions. (laughs) Now she sounds... She sounds like you're talking to a two-year-old. Let's make good decisions. Make good decisions. Make good decisions. Thanksgiving. Anyway, some interesting uh, advice there. uh, If you're concerned about what someone in your family will say, because you know that someone in your family will say something that will leave everybody else kind of dumbfounded. (laughs) Lead to a very awkward silence. It's going to happen at some point. This Thanksgiving, uh, it, it kind of reminds me of the old saying, the more uh, the more I know people, the more I like my dog. You know, you, you've seen that uh, meme online. The more I know people, the, the more I like my dog. Well, researchers at the University of Glasgow in Scotland are trying to work out how humans could bond with robots better and dogs may provide the answer. According to a report in Science Daily, 
Uh, I saw it from uh, Yahoo News. But uh, researchers are exploring the possibility of developing dog-inspired robots that can form similar bonds with humans. The scientists investigated relationships between 153 dogs and their owners. So they got a big sample here together, and they found that seven factors helped form a bond between humans and their furry friends. And those factors were shared activities... <laughs> and I'm assuming with the talk about shared activities, it's not like your dog will go bowling with you. Uh, shared activities in the sense that you get out and maybe you go for a walk in the park together or you play fetch or whatever. So shared activities, staying close, good communication, uh, as much as you can have good communication between a human and a dog, physical touch, consistency, positivity, and uh, consistency and having a routine. So those are the uh, factors that helped uh, dogs and humans form a strong bond. And they're trying to translate that to robots. So maybe in the future, maybe in the future, the saying will be the more people I know, the more I like my dog. Instead of that, it'll be the more people I know, the more I like my robot. Weird. Uh, so holiday travel. Like we mentioned, tomorrow is the big uh, travel day for most people, although, as we were mentioning yesterday, um, given flexible work schedules that people have these days post-pandemic, there will be a fair number of people who will get away for the holiday today or might have even gotten away yesterday for a whole week of uh, Thanksgiving vacation you know, like city schools were off, so you didn't have to worry about the kids in school. Most students, though, around the area still have a school, at least through today. But uh, in any event, you're going to be traveling for Thanksgiving. Uh, travelers, it says, it says here, are experiencing higher fares, busier airports, and harder-to-book flights as service losses plague the airline industry. The Regional Airline Association reports a decline in services across 76% of U.S. airports have uh, fewer flights uh, departing and arriving. Uh, U.S. airports, 76% of U.S. airports, a decline in air service uh, this year. And the reason, pilot shortages and stalling talks between unions and airlines. Uh, Faye Malarkey Black, president and CEO of the Regional Airline Association, says the decline in services since 2019 uh, is rivaled only by the post-9-11 industry crunch. She says, we now have more than 500 regional aircraft parked without pilots to fly them and an associated air service retraction at 324 communities. And this is airports large and small across the country. 14 airports have lost all scheduled commercial air service. And that number is still rising. Uh, Toledo Express uh, is one of those uh, airports that's seeing fewer and fewer flights. And they've always struggled, but especially right now, uh, it's getting tighter and tighter. The average price of domestic round-trip tickets is about $350 for Thanksgiving, $463 for Christmas. If you are looking forward to that holiday travel season. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, fares were up 43% in October 
from the same time a year ago. So it's costing you more to fly and there are fewer flights. And if you're thinking you're going to hit the road instead, gas prices are shifting. AAA now says gas prices will likely drop just in time for holiday travel. That's not going to help the airports at all. Um AAA reports a national average retail price of three sixty six a gallon for regular unleaded. We mentioned that yesterday. It's a new record for Thanksgiving, all time high. But prices are about ten cents a gallon lower than last week, so they're trending in the right direction. Patrick DeHaan, Gas Buddy, says many stations across the U.S. already have gas below three dollars a gallon, and it's not. Uh, out of the realm of possibility that if oil markets hold where they are, we could see a national average of two ninety nine by Christmas. Certainly, the gift that every motorist is hoping for. I mean, two ninety nine still very high, but at least it is again trending in the right direction. So, might be a, a Christmas gift we look forward to. So there you go, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, plenty of sunshine expected today with a high of 48. It'll be mostly clear tonight, low of 28. The city mission of Finley said its shelves were starting to empty of food, but thanks to some generous people and clubs, they're filling up again. The city mission says Outlaws MC and partnering clubs, along with Ohio Logistics, hosted a food drive and collected food in the freezing cold. The mission says not only was that food collected, but it was also unloaded and put away in the city mission pantry. The mission says thanks to the incredible donation of 10 tons of food, they'll be able to provide warm meals to many hungry people in the community as the cold weather months begin and more people seek help. Learn more about the city mission and how you can help out on the website. Ohio lawmakers have proposed a significant rewrite of Ohio's election laws that has been fast-tracked to pass by year's end. The revised legislation would trim the period after an election that mailed overseas and military voters could arrive at county election boards from 10 days to 7 and strike a section that set up automated voter registration. The legislation continues to call for ballot drop boxes at just one location in each county and eliminating voting on the day before an election. Dave James, ONN News. The Finley Post of the Ohio State Highway Patrol has selected its Trooper of the Year. The recognition this year goes to Trooper David Lopez II. Fellow troopers stationed at the Finley Post chose Trooper Lopez based on many qualities, including his leadership abilities, professional ethics, and courteous treatment of others. The 30-year-old is now in contention for the statewide Trooper of the Year award that will be announced at a later date. Trooper Lopez and his wife live in Findlay with their son. It's Michigan week, and that means the letter M is forbidden this week on the Ohio State campus. They're very secretive about getting these X's up over the M's, but I can tell you what, even though the game isn't until Saturday, fans here are already engaged in this whole atmosphere. The tradition lives on here because this is the beginning of it. Just take a look at any sign on campus, and you'll see the work is being done, that those M's are being X'd out. That secret society of students and volunteers began their annual tradition as soon as Saturday's game with Maryland was over. Ohio State and Michigan will tangle at noon Saturday in the Horseshoe. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, did you know that over two and a half million teenagers are using e-cigarettes? According to the latest data from the CDC, youth vaping clearly remains a serious health threat. But funding from a potential settlement with vape giant Juul 
could help address this epidemic. And joining us this morning are Robin Koval, uh, CEO and president of the Truth Initiative, and Dorian Furman, co-founder of the group Parents Against Vaping E-Cigarettes. And uh, thank you both for taking the time to join us this morning. Robin, I want to start with you. How did we get here? Uh, give us some background on, on how we got to this point that we have this national youth vaping epidemic and why it is so important that we address it now. Well, sure. Um, so we didn't get here by accident. Um, this is uh, a situation uh, manufactured by clever, clever marketing and misinformation. Um, we had a spark that was lit by Juul uh, with a product that was designed to be very appealing to young people, very techy, stealthy. They could hide it. Parents didn't know. Teachers didn't know if they were using it. Comes in all sorts of flavors like creme brulee, mango, very appealing to young people, um, and particularly dangerous, very high levels of nicotine. So it got kids addicted really quickly. And these pro this product was specifically marketed to young people. We know from Jules' own congressional testimony that they had launch parties with uh, directed towards young people, used social influencers, um, you know, even tried to infiltrate summer camps, if you can believe that. So kids were sitting ducks for this, um, and they had no idea that they weren't just getting fun and flavors. In fact, we did research at the time that said that two-thirds of kids didn't know that these products always had nicotine. And then what happened? Uh, many, many more, thousands of other brands came into the market uh, with uh, a whole host of different products uh, that are sort of playing catch me if you can with federal regulators and state regulators. So as you say, we now have two and a half million kids who are vaping. That's a higher number than the year before, so not good news. Um, and even more concerning is among those kids who vape, uh, they're vaping very, very frequently. So 46% of high school kids who vape are doing it almost every day. Some research that just came out says that many kids are vaping within five minutes of waking up. That is a real sign of addiction. Yeah. And all of that coincides with what we have as another epidemic, which is the youth mental health crisis. So kids start vaping because they think it's going to relieve their stress. And the exact opposite is, is true. The science says vaping nicotine can amplify feelings of stress and anxiety and depression. Now, when we talk about this potential Juul settlement, you're referring to the $439 million settlement that the company tentatively agreed to earlier this year, I'm assuming that's what we're talking about? Yeah. So some states have already settled with Juul, for instance, North Carolina, but there's about 30 or so states who are in the process of getting to a final settlement for that sum of money you mentioned. And we really want to urge the states um, who have fought hard for this money to use it to really undo all the damage that Juul created. So to put programs in place that prevent young kids from ever starting to vape and also put programs in place that will help those kids who have already become addicted and need help to quit. Um, as I like to say, to denormalize vaping, make it less cool, and normalize quitting. Let kids know it, tools are out there and they can do it. And uh, Dorian, uh, as uh, Robin alluded to, I wanted to bring you into the conversation. What are you asking parents to ask of their state legislatures with respect to this settlement? Well, parents should be 
be asking their state legislators to use this money for good. They should use this money um, to create education programs for parents, for kids, um, for schools, and they should also use this to create prevention programs and cessation programs. You know, there is no FDA-approved cessation method for youth vaping as as it currently stands. So um, we need all the help we can get, and this money could go a long way. So the state should use this money to implement programs which will help kids, which will educate parents, um, educate uh, all adults who work with kids. And parents should really educate themselves. They should start talking to their kids from a very young age. Uh, they should talk to their kids often about um, what they're seeing in the classroom, what they're seeing on the street and in their friend group. And um, parents need to understand these kids were targeted by these predatory companies and no amount of nicotine is safe for a developing adolescent brain. So for people who say these products are safe or safer, it's just not true. No amount of nicotine is safe for developing adolescent brain. And um, we need to roll back you know, this youth vaping epidemic, and hopefully this settlement money can help. You bring up such a good point uh, about uh, parents being vigilant because, uh, as Robin was alluding to earlier, it's worth pointing out that while this settlement is a big win in the effort to keep young people away from e-cigarettes, Juul is only one vaping company among many. It has been the biggest, but this threat is more than just Juul. Oh, sure. I mean, what's happened is, you know, there are now thousands of products on the market. Um, I like to say, you know, this whole category has metastasized, if you will. Um, we know from our research that um, just in one year, from 500 individual SKUs, you know, how retailers keep track of the products in their stores, mm -hmm. gone from uh, 600 in, in uh last year to now over 1,200. In fact, these new products are coming out so quickly that the retail scanning devices and the, the way those are programmed into the stores can't keep up with the volume. So, I mean, this is really an industry that is trying to game the system. Uh, but there are things that we have um, out there that um, I hope states will partner with us on, that we know are working. Um, of course, our truth campaign, which is all about giving kids the facts so that they can make decisions for themselves and share that in their own social networks with young people. We know that it works. We have data that says people who are aware of the truth campaign significantly causally related to preventing youth vaping and or motivating them to quit. We have a program called This Is Quitting, which is a first of its kind program that's designed for teens, specifically for them, it's a text-to-quit program, so you just opt in on your phone, which kids, of course, love. Half a million young people have used it already. We know that 60% of kids who vape want to quit, um, and we're partnering with a number of states on that um, and are eager to do more. And then we have a, a curriculum for middle and high school students called Vaping Know the Truth that is free to schools. Uh, that is all about educating young people, again, in a peer-to-peer -peer manner that feels comfortable for them, uh, that we've proven improves education. And that's another opportunity to uh, partner with states so that we can accelerate distribution in individual school systems and get kids the facts so they can make the right decisions for themselves. Really quickly, where do folks access uh, those materials, those resources? Uh, well, for Truth Initiative, come to truthinitiative.org. We have information on the Truth Campaign, 
this is quitting, vaping know the truth, lots of research. We're a research organization also, so great information for everybody on how to understand uh, what e-cigarettes are and how to, how to um, address the issue. And Dorian... And parents can come to... Yeah, sorry. I was going to say parents can come to parentsagainstvaping.org. We have lots of resources. Um, we, we talk to other parents and... Um, offer parent webinars to um, to educate parents. Parents can also reach out to um, their legislators. They can advocate um, for their kids' safety. They can ask legislators to ban all flavors, which are, are addicting kids, and they can ask for these educational campaigns and, um, you know, and, and advocate with their schools and ask their schools what they're doing to protect their kids. Again, Robin Koval, uh, President and CEO of the Truth Initiative, and Dorian Furman, co-founder of Parents Against Vaping E-Cigarettes, with us this morning. Thank you both for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So the National Association of Realtors reported last week that existing home sales in October were down 5.9% nationally. Uh, sales falling in all regions on both a month-over-month and year-over-year basis. And this marks a record nine straight months of existing home sales declines. Nine months in a row. It's never happened before. Now, we know how crazy the real estate industry has been for quite some time now. Rising mortgage rates have brought some sanity back, but higher borrowing costs introduce yet another factor that buyers and sellers have to take into consideration. So joining us this morning with the outlook for the remainder of the fall and into the winter season in the world of real estate, uh, Keiki Roberts-Leibert is Vice President of Advocacy for the National Association of Realtors. And Keiki, now this is normally a slower period for your industry ahead of the, you know, the big uh, influx in the spring. That is usually the hot time. So this is a slower period Normally, but as you well know, very little has been normal for your industry over the past year or so. So what trends are you seeing and what do you expect to see between now and the spring of 2023? Well, we certainly have seen a slowdown in activity. A lot of this is caused by the rise in interest rates. Right. We still have a a very large shortage of homes out there. But with the rising interest rates, we're seeing a lot less of the multiple offers um, and the crazy markets and the, the increase in prices. That has slowed down tremendously. Year over year, we've still seen quite a rise, but that, has, that will slow. We've, we're down to you know a very minimal rise year over year uh, from what we'll see from this year forward. So that, that has slowed down. Um, we've also seen a much smaller number of first-time homebuyers. The typical amount of the uh, all the homebuyers out there is usually about 40%. We're down to about 26% of the homebuyers being first-time homebuyers. They're also older. They tend to be an average of about 36 years old. Um, a lot of this is due to the higher interest rates, um, which is also, you know, we've got higher prices than there used to be. Right. Um, and the low inventory. So We're also seeing a lot of people going into small towns in the rural areas. So uh, the NIR just uh, released uh, both the third quarter Metro Home Prices Report and the Home Buyer and Sellers Report. What do we glean from those reports to kind uh, of... Well, for the Toledo area, an average price is 
about 175,000, a little over 175,200. Mm-hmm. And this is up about 4.8% uh, from last year. Um, and in that report is also what I just talked about, about yeah. the first-time home buyers and moving into uh, the rural areas. We're seeing a lot of that. People working more remotely from home it's, or you know, only going into the office a couple of days a week has allowed them to move into the, the rural areas more, which is, you know, the lifestyle can be a little less hectic mm-hmm. and they can afford more yeah. out there. So those are some of the things that that we're really seeing. Well, that's what I was going to ask too. Uh, what do we take away for both buyers and sellers, particularly buyers, uh, you know, that can, that can help uh, the shoppers, you know, make the right decisions in this historically competitive housing market. Uh, how are you guiding folks to, you know, the the right decisions uh, at a very challenging time? It is a very challenging time. The As a buyer, you know, you, as a realtor, working with buyers, I assess what they're doing, what they've got, what their money is, make sure that they're with a great mortgage lender that can really help them uh, try to find that right area for them, and ask them to be patient and to be uh, a little bit not, uh, a little bit more easygoing on what their demands are. Mm. Uh, Because there is such low inventory, you're not going to maybe get that absolutely perfect house and get every demand met. Uh, We're not seeing it quite as competitive as it was, so we're seeing some more out there. But with rising interest rates, uh, it's hard when, you know, at one point they're looking at homes that are 350000 and then the rates click up and they're half a percent higher. You know, they may at that point only be qualified to three hundred. Yeah. So that's that's hard for them, uh, but you just have to be patient with them and, and work with them to make sure that they get the right house. Working with a realtor is very important because no. you know all the ins and outs and get them guided yeah. and get them through a process. Now more than ever, uh, it is important. Kaki Roberts, uh, Libert again, Vice President of Advocacy for the National Association of Realtors. We reference those latest reports. Real quickly, where do folks find those? You've got them on your website, right? They are on the website. Realtor.com is a great website to go to. Uh, it has statistics and numbers, and you can find the uh, medium home prices of just about any area and what is out there that's available. We'll link it up on our webpage. Uh, Kanki, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. You bet. Thank you so much, Chris. Well, in case you haven't noticed, the Black Friday commercials are already popping up. You're already starting to hear Christmas music. Let there be no doubt that the holiday season has begun. And in 2022, the arrival of the season means a return to the hustle and bustle that we've been missing over the past couple of years, including the gatherings of family and friends. And so registered dietitian nutritionist Mia Sin is with us this morning with some tips for taking on the hosting duties and setting the scene for all of the, the fun, the food, the festivities. We've missed this, Mia, so we're excited about the return of those big gatherings, but then It's not going to be too long before we remember that the idea of hosting during the holidays can be rather nerve-wracking. So kind of get us started on the right foot before that nervousness has a chance to set in. Yes, well, thank you so much for having me. It's the time of year to celebrate with our loved ones, and I've teamed up with a few brands to help make it an unforgettable season. And hosting can be a lot of fun if you plan ahead, so that's my first tip. And I really like to kick things off with an overflowing charcuterie board 
filled with all of my favorite things, fruits, veggies, cheese, meats, and nuts like almonds. Blue Diamond Almonds released their first ever limited-time holiday-flavored almonds this year. They're perfect for a seasonal charcuterie board or sharing as a gift or stocking stuffer. And they have their snickerdoodle-flavored almonds. They have a delicious taste of a uh, cinnamon sugar cookie. So if you love snickerdoodles like me, you'll love these almonds. And then there's also a peppermint cocoa-flavored almond. So it has a delicious chocolatey flavor with just a hint of peppermint. So good. And you can find both of these festive flavors in grocery stores nationwide. They're also on Amazon.com. And you can also use Blue Diamond's product locator tool to find a store near you. It's good stuff. You talk about the importance of uh, planning ahead, planning the menu ahead of time, of course. And let's not forget the dessert because that's the best part of the holiday meal after all. Yes, I'm right there with you. Dessert is the best part, my favorite part. And I like to serve what I call desserts with benefits. So they kind of have a healthy twist to them, but of course are delicious and tasty. So first is my blondies. I like to make these with a secret ingredient and that is beans. So beans when cooked and rinsed well can add moisture and fudginess to baked goods like brownies and blondies and allow you to cut back on the amount of fat and flour needed. Hmm. Not only that, but beans add nutrients like plant protein and fiber. Another great option is banana sweetened chocolate chip oatmeal cookies. I make these with five ingredients, bananas, nut butter, oats, vanilla, and chocolate chips. That's it. They're so tasty. Your family will love them. That is awesome. Um, now, of course, planning the menu and, and planning everything in advance, uh, that can be fun. Okay, what gets most people and what most people don't look forward to is the cleanup afterwards. Uh, and not only is that uh, kind of a, uh, a chore that we don't look forward to, it takes a lot of time. You have a way to make all of that easier. Absolutely. So my tip is to eliminate the time suckers. That's washing dishes, loading the dishwasher. We all know that it takes away time from what's really important, you know, spending time with our friends and family, making new memories, um, and the China brand really makes cleanup such a breeze. Their classic products are made for exactly what's on your menu, like roasted turkey with mashed potatoes and green beans. And their crystal products are perfect for, you know, adding a fancy touch so you can serve your beef tenderloin on that or seared duck. And their crystal cups are great for a pre-dinner toast. And the best part is when you're done, throw everything out and you have all that extra time for family fun. You can head to mychinet.com for where to purchase and also more recipes and hosting tips. Okay, so uh, any other tips that you can share to make holiday hosting, put some of the enjoyment back into uh, holiday hosting? Because again, we're looking forward to this, not having been able to do it for the past couple of years, but we want to make it as uh, as easy and as uh, much fun as possible. Yes, so my last tip, one of my favorites is you know, I really love when a home is filled with holiday aromas, and you can achieve that with a stovetop potpourri. So the way you make it is you add sliced oranges and apples with warm spices like cinnamon sticks, cardamom, and cloves to a saucepan. Fill that with water and let it simmer on the lowest setting, and your home will just smell like the holidays and, you know, welcome your guests with open arms. I was going to say, that would make your house just smell like grandma's house, and what a flood of memories that'll bring back. Uh, Mia Sin, again, yeah, uh, (laughs) registered dietitian nutritionist with us uh, this morning. Where do we get uh, more of these holiday hosting ideas here? 
you can head to my website, which is nutritionbymia.com, and some of these recipes are in my new book, which is Mostly Plant-Based. That's the name of it, and that's available for pre-order wherever books are sold. Mia Sin, thanks very much for taking the time. Happy holidays. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays. 20 years of making mornings good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Imagine coming to work uh, first thing in the morning and having this happen to you. Uh, Earlier this month, a front desk worker uh, opened the Circle C Dental Office in Austin, Texas, showed up to work. To uh, open the place up, Maggie Kiefer said she immediately noticed that the office did not smell right. There is a very odd odor permeating the office that wasn't there the night before. She and her colleagues investigated and determined that the smell was coming from the staff, uh, staff bathroom, the back of the building. And upon investigation, they discovered that the toilet had exploded the toilet had exploded overnight. The Austin Fire Department was called in and uh, could not offer a solid explanation for what exactly happened or why. Ms. Kiefer has a theory. She found a news story about a toilet that had exploded in Oklahoma after a lightning bolt struck an apartment building, traveled through an exhaust vent, and exploded the toilet. And although there is no record of lightning the night before in Austin, Texas, uh, it is possible there was, you know, maybe a stray bolt of lightning not recorded by weather radar. So that's what they're going with. The other theory is that the vent fan in the ceiling somehow fell and caused the damage. But luckily, there were no injuries because the bathroom was unoccupied at the time. But can you imagine... Uh, Showing up for work in the morning, first thing in the morning, only to discover that the toilet in the bathroom has exploded? That's crazy. Uh, Again, could have been a lot worse if it had happened while the business was open, but (laughs) just weird. Uh, Let's see here. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news this morning, there is breaking news, and then there is the news that is already broken. And this is that Kentucky Fried Chicken's finger-licking-good recipe remains in safe hands after a thief broke into one of its locations in Tampa, Florida. This is big news. Uh, Local news reports are an unidentified man crawled into the restaurant, literally crawled into the restaurant. Security footage uh, showed the man struggling to open what appears to be the emergency exit and slithering through the small opening. Interestingly enough, the man did not appear too keen on stealing much of anything. Uh, The man was wearing a black mask, appeared to pick up a few cleaning supplies, and uh, then got in touch with his inner Cinderella. He sprayed and wiped down all of the surfaces he touched before slithering back out through the open door. (laughs) He just came in and committed a cleaning. Um, And fortunately, he did not... Take the secret uh, recipe. (laughs) Police told uh, local news reporters that uh, the super secret recipe of 11 herbs and spices has not fallen into the wrong hands. 
So we can all rest assured. No other details about what may have been taken have been revealed. Police ask anyone who knows the mysterious intruder to please give them a call. (laughs) That is the most unusual break-in maybe ever. Just came in and cleaned everything up and left. All right, then. Uh, now try explain, try to explain this to your boss. If you are a law enforcement officer, sheriff's deputies in Mississippi, in uh, Tunica County, Mississippi, are searching for a suspect who escaped from custody while still in handcuffs. Happened around 2.30 in the morning on Saturday during a traffic stop. Arrest records show 21-year-old Devin Dean of Memphis was asked to get out of his vehicle and he was placed into handcuffs after officers spelled, smelled marijuana coming from inside the vehicle, which is illegal in Mississippi and certainly illegal uh, to drive uh, while getting high. Uh, while uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Dean was standing outside of his car, he took off on foot. He fled the scene while in handcuffs. Have you ever tried to run in handcuffs? It's not easy to do. Uh, deputies nonetheless searched the area for about an hour and failed to locate him. He was gone. You know, try to explain that to your supervisor if you're a cop. I swear, I put him in handcuffs and he took off. Uh, still at large. Uh, let's see here. Elsewhere in the broken news, a uh, an unidentified man is uh, making a public apology after posting video of himself relieving himself atop a sacred mountain in Hawaii, posting it online. Uh, The man posted a video of himself urinating near Mauna Kea last week. After facing harsh backlash, he posted a six-minute apology video. The man said he recently moved to the Big Island, and he had no idea that the mountain was considered sacred by so many people. (laughs) He got up to the top. He had to go. And so he just relieved himself right there on top of the mountain. Not a good thing. It's a sacred place for many Hawaiians. So he apologized profusely. The State's Department of Natural Resources said what the man did was disrespectful, but not illegal. So he will not face any charges. But I guess he will probably not do that again. And finally, in the broken news this morning. Now, this is a... This is a great story. You know, you've got Thanksgiving coming up. It's going to be a big gathering of uh, a family, and there's always a generation gap, right? Uh, grandma doesn't always have a lot to talk about with the younger generation, you know, with the kids. Uh, so often, you know, the uh, generations make small talk. How are things going at school? You know, those kind of things. And... Um, but they don't really have a whole lot in common. Well, one grandma decided to do something about that. Um, Cheryl Skiados, uh, who is in her 70s, was filmed by her grandson, Jackson King, as she, as she was taking notes during a Marvel superhero movie marathon. <laughs> I mean, there are a bunch of uh, Marvel superhero movies, and uh, so Grandma decided she was going to watch all the movies that she could, and she actually took notes during the movies so that she could be closer to her grandkids 
and talk to them about their interests. Now, that is a dedicated grandma. Uh, Cheryl was uh, filmed by her grandson, Jackson, about midway through her Marvel movie fest. Um, I, I, and I think that's uh, that's awesome. I mean, grandparents can probably relate to, uh, oh, what is it with these kids today? Ms. Uh, Skiados says she has 13 grandkids in total, ranging in age from 6 to 22, and they're all big Marvel superhero fans. And rather than writing off their interests as frivolous, as grandparents will sometimes do, she decided to try and get on the same level as the as those uh, young whippersnappers so that she could uh, talk with them intelligently and know what they were uh, talking about, carry on a conversation. That is just all kinds of awesome. You go, Grandma. That is just cool. Good for you. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less. Of Hancock County Veterans Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Spend Thanksgiving morning with WFIN and some great old-time radio entertainment. Thanksgiving laughs from Burns and Allen, Jack Benny, and Red Skelton. Also, listen to the historical docudrama featuring the sailing of the Mayflower, plus the Thanksgiving 1943 broadcast of Command Performance. This holiday presentation, courtesy of Pete's Auto Service. It's an old-time radio Thanksgiving. Nine till noon, Thanksgiving Day. 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and now at 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives, uh, the realities of an uncertain economic future and inflation still hovering around those 40-year highs. Millions of Americans, it appears, are not looking forward to gift-giving season. With all that belt tightening, charities are already feeling the pinch as well. This is according to a survey of more than 2,000 Americans commissioned by NerdWallet. Uh, uh, nearly 217 million Americans, 84% in the survey, 84% plan to buy presents for friends and loved ones this year, spending on average $823 in total. So those are the numbers for the Christmas gift-giving season, $823 per um, individual. That said, 83% plan to take action to try to cut their spending during the holiday season. 36% say that they will be giving different kind, uh, get different kinds of gifts than usual. Uh, 35% say they will be, will be spending less than usual for the people on their list this year, which I think is interesting. I mean, $823 is the anticipated spending amount, and yet 35% say they're spending less than usual. How much do we usually spend on the people? That's a lot of money. Uh, In any event, 35% say they're cutting back. 43%, however, say they feel pressure to spend more than they are comfortable with. 11% say that they plan to use cash advance apps, and 7% will use payday loans to get those stockings filled. Now, that could be quite dangerous. Uh, Less dangerous but still concerning, 73% say they will likely turn to credit cards to buy gifts this year, charging an average of $663. The problem there 
is that 31% of those in the poll have still not paid off their balances from last year's holiday gifts. So you can see where this snowballs. And again, given that interest rates are rising and inflation is going up, economic uncertainty into 2023, this could be a big problem on down the line. When it comes to charities, they are already seeing a downturn at what is usually their biggest time of the year. According to data from crowdfunding platform Kiva, quoted by the Wall Street Journal, people are cutting back on their giving, and that is by design. 44% blamed a lack of funds. They just don't have the money to give to charity this year. Another 44% said donating was for the privileged. That it's those who have extra that are expected to give, and since they don't have extra they shouldn't be that sounds like rationalizing to me but uh, certainly an interesting sentiment as we head into the holiday shopping season and some rather uh, concerning data there from those surveys of a Christmas. it is a holiday classic Irving Berlin's White Christmas. Members of the Fort Finley Playhouse with us uh, this morning to preview their upcoming production. Seth Carey and Brent Sleesman with us this morning. Gentlemen, thank you both for uh, taking the time, dropping in. Thank Uh, you for having us. Thank you. So for those who are not familiar, and I can't imagine that there are too many people who are not familiar, uh, talk a little bit about the uh, story of, uh, of White Christmas. It is an adaptation of the Bing Crosby movie, so a lot of people are familiar with that. But mm-hmm. basic plot is you've got two guys, Bob and Phil, played by Seth and myself, who are in the Army. Ten years go by, and they've become song and dance men, famous on Broadway. And they, uh, of course, encounter two women, uh, Betty and Judy, sisters, and chaos ensues they end up in an inn in vermont where they come across the general who uh led them in the army and so he's running this inn having tough times they bring the full cast up to vermont his granddaughter's there of course there's love interests there's misunderstandings Mm -hmm. but we all gather in the end sing white christmas so definitely family friendly and definitely uh everything ends well yeah uh this actually it, it covers uh a whole lot of holidays, and of course, the uh, culmination is uh, is Christmas time and and all of that. But it's really a really a neat uh, neat show to do, I would imagine. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. We've been having a lot of fun in rehearsals, and and as you said, over the holidays, it gets a little bit tricky. But it's also that's one of the things that makes it great is is being involved in a show over the holidays. And it's as you mentioned, a lot of people are familiar with the movie. It's mm-hmm. a lot of people's favorite part of the Christmas season, and so yeah, and we're really really honored that we get to help bring that to the stage and bring that to Finley. Yeah, to that's that's a, that's really cool and such a such a classic uh, work. It is uh, kind of all American. I mean, it doesn't get any more all American than White Christmas. Uh, you open next weekend, right? Yes, we do. So next Thursday evening. So give us all of the uh, details here. All right, ticket information. Uh, they're online anytime at tickets fortfinleyplayhouse.org or you can call via phone 567-525-3636 from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. 
Show times Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at 8 p.m. and Sunday, 5 p.m. matinees. And uh, again, as we mentioned, you open next weekend, and then what are the uh, show days like for a couple, three weekends? Right? Yeah, three yeah. weekends, the yeah. uh, first through the fourth, the eighth through the eleventh, and then the 15th through the 18th. And uh, we always talk about this with the uh, Fort Finley Playhouse, a great place to see a show because it is so intimate. It, it's, it's an old church that was converted, mm-hmm. and uh, when you stand on the stage, you really, I know from the stage side, you can see everybody in the audience. There's, yeah. There is not a bad seat. It's small, it's intimate, but I think that's what makes it something unique. Uh, you feel really close with the cast as well as the audience. And maybe especially for a show like this, uh, where you really feel like you are kind of part of it. Yeah, I agree. You, it's it's really easy to make a connection with the audience because usually when you're on a, a big stage, you have those stage lights. You can't see anybody. Well, here, as Brent said, you can see the eyes of every single person in the in that audience, and it's yeah. it's really easy to at a at a at a high emotional point of a show to really make that connection with the audience, which is another thing that makes it great about working there at the Playhouse. Yeah, and this doesn't ruin it. But there might be a moment because it's a white Christmas that the audience may be invited to sing along. So, uh, well, of course, you would kind of expect that yes, actually. Exactly. When they're so, <laughs> uh, it would uh, it would definitely make sense. Um, we've always uh, talked with the uh, whenever we have you folks in the uh, the playhouse. Uh, always looking for people to join in and be a part of what you do uh, productions throughout the year and. Uh, different ways that people can get involved with the playhouse i know the next show is murder on the orient express and and the thing about the playhouse uh is just the rhythm of when one show wraps up the next one begins and so there's on stage roles but what's been amazing on most saturdays there have been uh, set dressing set building uh there's a second facility just on the other side of sandusky that there's a lot of props there are so many pieces and the thing i've really valued i'm fairly new to the fort finley playhouse my daughter's always in the show as well and it, it is a family environment that mm-hmm. really invites participation i know other family members of uh, seth's family are involved as well and so you know trying to just think about how can you be a, a part it's, it's been good as a family thing but also the folks involved in the playhouse long term have been really inviting whether it's on stage backstage uh set building and so on yeah there's truly something for everybody if, if yeah. you're interested in being as brent said on the stage there are roles. If, you, if you're not really ready for that yet and you want to just kind of help out behind the scenes, there are certainly things that can be done there as well. Yeah, I would imagine, especially for a uh, show like this, it, just creating the sets and all of those other, that, that's an awful lot of fun. Again, because it's such a, a classic that everybody knows, you know. Yeah, I, I agree. And I've, I've said this before and I'll say, I'll say it here, is that I've done enough shows that I don't get nervous for shows anymore. But with this one, because as we said that it's 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 so many people's favorite part of Christmas. Right. There's an expectation that comes with it, <laughs> kind of, which is which is great. And you are actually uh, living up to. I mean, you're stepping into a role that. I mean, you were talking. It's it's an iconic role, and, and I'm going to say right now, I'm not Danny Kay. It's not going to. I'm not, not happening. Crosby. Yeah, that's why you're buying the ticket. You're right. grossly disappointed. But it has it has been a lot of fun and a real honor to sing some of these really timeless songs that come mm. from this musical. It's it's yeah. really been a lot of fun. Yeah, um, and it is it is an adaptation of the movie. Uh, so I, I would imagine it's not you know 100 percent this you know there, it's not there are little tweaks the, the, the main storyline is very similar right but there are there are little tiny differences here and there that that happen and so, more songs in the stage musical than mm-hmm. people are, are familiar really? with from yes. the okay movie. yeah okay um well and that was gonna gonna be my question how 
how much rehearsal? I mean, I'm sure that you've both seen the movie umpteen times and probably are pretty familiar with it. Does that make it more, does that make it easier to rehearse and get ready? Or it's, um, it's nice to have that reference point. Yeah. But also it gives you somewhere to jump off of to make the character your own at the same mm-hmm. time. So yeah. it's, it's nice to have that that you can go to and say, oh, this is how this is kind of the idea. This is how this is supposed to go. Yeah. But to be able to make it your own is, is still really fun. Yeah. Um, again, tickets are available now. Now, And yes. uh, I would imagine these will probably sell pretty quickly. They are already about 80% gone. Oh, wow. So if you're going to get tickets, get them now. Yeah. Sooner rather than later. <laughs> yes. Uh, for the uh, Irving Berlin White Christmas production of the Fort Findlay Playhouse. And it opens... Next weekend, we've got a link up at our webpage. Uh, go to goodmornings.net for more info online. And again, Seth Carey, Brent Sleesman with us uh, this morning. Gentlemen, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Look forward to a great show. Thank you very Thank much you. for having us. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. So check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow, to get you ready for the big Thanksgiving holiday and are Black Friday deals really as good as advertised? The answer might surprise you. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.